I thank the Lord for every morning he allows me to rise. And though the sun is shining, there's a cloud in the sky. Let me know that at any moment there could be rain. And as beautiful as life is, there still could be pain. Down the floor, I hear the sirens just screaming away. And then the inevitable happens. The ending of days, sad as it's sad. That's the price we all gotta pay. And the whole world knows God give it, we take it away. Living, I learn. I sit and watch my cigarette burn. Welcome, welcome, everyone, to the Tando Radio Show. I am your host, David Wren, and I just want to thank you all for listening today. Uh, we have a very dope show lined up for you, I hope. Um, I know that the guest that we have that, that's going to be coming on is a very dynamic brother, so I'm really excited about bringing the conversation and the topic and the guest to you. Um, and this uh, person will be a regular guest from time to time. Um, you you will it it behoove of you to get to know this brother, uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. So today is February the 26th, 2015, and this is Tando Radio Show, brought to you by Black Talk Radio Network. Just like to thank the network for carrying us. Uh, looking forward to developing and continuing the relationship with Black Talk Radio Network. So if you would like to get in on the conversation today. And the station is going to be based around gentrification. What is it? What does it mean? How does it affect the community? Uh, why did it come about? And so that's going to be the overall uh, conversation. I think you're going to hear some things that you may have not heard before when it comes to uh, gentrification because I believe it's definitely a design uh, program and it's a design agenda, and we're going to definitely delve into that and wait to, to actually uh, jump into this conversation, and please, with, by all means, if you have any thoughts about it, if you have any questions about it, uh, if you want to make a comment or you disagree, dialogue is the greatest uh, uh, form of communication, please, without a doubt, give us a call at 1-712-775-7035, and the access code is 660079-POUND. And then just start six yourself and then one when you're ready to talk. And I will pull you up and we will get you uh, to speak to our audience, speak to the guests, and uh, also carry on the first, uh, further carry on the conversation. So also, Tando Radio Station, we have a Facebook page now. So please, if you would like to uh, be part of it, uh, definitely like us. I guess that's important. And so it's, you know, it's important that uh, we do that. So if you would like it. Uh, our Thando uh, Facebook page and tell people about the show uh, because the more that and the more we can talk about and we can grow. Also, as a listener to Thando Radio Show, if you if there's a topic that you would like to discuss, if there's a topic that you think is important, is a topic that you would like us to cover, take a look at. Please, by all means, uh, give me. You can send me a um, you know send me the information and also. I have no problems. One of the things that I will do, I will always give my phone number out, and you can you know, reach me at seven at uh, area code nine five one seven nine zero eight three three zero. So if you would like to reach out to me with with a story or anything, uh, just a comment, we're greatly appreciated. Uh, best way to do it uh, is to text me because uh, I see all of my texts, and then uh, call me. And if I you know have a second or so, I will definitely call you back. It's one thing that I will do is I will call you back. So. That's pretty much uh, what we have in store today. I'm very, you know, looking forward to it. And uh, so we're going to 
get into the conversation. The conversation is going to be about gentrification. What does it mean? Um, how does it, it affect our community, and why is it present, and why is it becoming so uh, well known now? It's, it's va- va- basically you can't escape it. So, just before we do that, I just want to give you some other news. Uh, please keep an eye on what's happening in Greece. Um, I get you know one of our shows we talked about uh, what happened in Cyprus. I guess it's now starting to happen in Greece, and the overall Eurasia uh, play between Russia and the U.S., the U.S. has started to put tanks um, 300 yards away from the Russian uh, border and close into Russian settlements. So this thing is really escalating. And if you would like to also, another place that you can follow uh, myself and and some people that I will have as guests, uh, a lot of the guests that we'll have will be coming from this group. uh, We call it RDP, which stands for Real Deal Preppers and if you would like to uh, be a part of our group, you can easily just send me a, uh, a friend request and, and ask to be put into the group. And my name is David Wren, W-R-E-N. And you can just send a Facebook uh, Facebook friend request there. And I will be more than happy to put you into RDP. And RDP is absolutely completely free. There's no charge. And we exchange information and we keep our eye on everything that's going on, everything from uh, economic downturn to health and wellness to uh, how uh, you know how to plant a garden and, and sustainable living and preparedness. That's what we cover there. It's a great, great group. And if you would like to be part of that group, uh, by all means, just let me know, and I will definitely put you in. The group is is growing very, very fast. So, and I just want to thank all of the RDP listeners um, and all of everyone that's in RDP. So we're going to go ahead and get to our show. Uh, the brother that we that we have as our guest, our guest today is going to be Marcus J. And Marcus J. Uh, is the host of Ain't No Half Stepping, and it's a great. Right? Hey, brother, what's up there, Marcus? How you feeling? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm honored. I'm honored. Thank you for having me. No, no problem, Marcus. So before we get started, Marcus, why don't you tell everyone, because after they hear, and you know, this brother puts on a great show at, uh, uh, at Legacy, and it's, it's so important for us to always support. Um, and Marcus has his own show, Ain't No Half-Stepping with Marcus J. Uh, Marcus, so just tell us about, you know, the show and, and, and what's, it, what's it about before we get into our, our uh, conversation of the night. Sure, I appreciate it. Uh, Ain't No Half Stepping with Marcus J is a show that uh, I created uh, about three, maybe three years ago this fall. And, you know, because of creative differences on the station that we we were on at the time, uh, my my crew and I, we decided we were either going to stop doing the show or we were going to create our own outlet to do it. Uh, and so from that, Legacy Internet Radio was born. Independence is key to building your own legacy, which is our tagline. And so we debuted our show, Ain't No Half Step with Marcus J, on Legacy Internet Radio at the time. We were the only show there, uh, and that was uh, actually the anniversary next week. So that was two years ago, the first week in March, first Monday in March of 2013. And uh, we've, of course, grown from one show one night a week to – programming every single day so i'm definitely proud about that but ain't no half step on marcus j my tagline for that show uh is socially conscious talk that's entertaining with a dash of humor in the top sports stories of the week 
so hopefully kind of in that tagline, we kind of touch on pretty much anything. You know, if you if you hear it on the news or if you see it on your Facebook wall uh, or if they're talking about it at the barbershop or in the backyard, we, you know, during the cookout, this is a good bet that we're going to touch on it on, on our show on Mondays at 7 p.m. on Legacy Internet Radio. Got it, Marcus. Thank you so much for coming on, Brian. And so uh, I just want to thank Marcus for the opportunity that he's given me and, and the relationship. Uh, it's so funny, Marcus, that we have a, a, a mutual friend in Melanie, and, and Melanie was talking to me one day, and she says, uh, David, do you do you like uh, uh, Marcus J. Show? I said, no, I don't like Marcus J. Show. She said, what? I said, no, I don't. I love Marcus J. Show, and <laughs> I'm pretty sure if everyone – catches and, and you're going to hear Marcus J from time to time come on uh Tando radio show um when he's available or you know if something comes up and and we'll interchange and, and cross pollinate our uh our efforts with each other because that's what everything is all about is the relationships that are built and are they're so essential so I look forward to that, and uh, I hope she's listening. Shout out to our sister Melanie; she checks us out on Legacy and that radio. So we definitely hoping that she's got her ears on with us tonight. Right, definitely, definitely. All right, so Marcus J, let's get into the the conversation uh, and the okay. overall topic of the of the night. And okay. the the topic is, is gentrification. I want to just read a quick uh, dictionary version of what. Uh, gentrification is and then Marcus if you would just tell me what what it means to you you know it's just because someone puts a definition on something that that's not the full scope and the full depth of something and you are a brother that we are all you know we come from the the ghetto but the thing is that we just don't live like the ghetto you know and and so I think it's so important for us to to put our own definition on things because we are, it's something that is so important for us to collectively come back together so people will stop talking about us and we can force them to talk to us. And that's what happens in this world now. They talk about us. And that's because there's no dialogue and there's no no negotiation. We don't have an evenly yoked table uh, seat at, at negotiation. And we can change that. So, let me get into what does gentrification mean. This is the uh, one of the uh, definitions that are that has been logged in 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 a dictionary. It says the buying and re- renovating of houses and stores in a deteriorated urban neighborhood by upper class or middle income families or individuals, thus improving property value, but off often displacing low-income families and small businesses. That's one of the definitions of uh, gentrification. And, Marcus, in your own words, from your own life experience, from your own understanding, in your own relationships with with our community, what does gentrification mean to you? Well, I mean, the definition, I, I, you know, the book definition, rather, I understand exactly where it's going, but to kind of simplify it, it's basically rich folks coming in the hood, stealing the land, putting their peoples in there, selling it for storefronts, and making more money. you got rich folks coming from outside places that they're not, you know, you know indigenous to, and understanding that the land, because that's the key, it's the land. That's what they want. They want the land. 
And I'll give you a perfect example. Instead of me trying to get, you know, clinical with it, I'll give you a real-life example. I grew up in Jersey City, New Jersey, and there's a project in Jersey City, New Jersey, called Curry's Woods. And Curry's Woods was an area in Jersey City that nobody wanted to go. When I was coming up, you knew somebody from Curry Woods, whether you knew them or not, they was tough. They was tough just because they came from there. And over the years, they started slowly but surely knocking down the towers of each project to the point where now you got nice little condos, you got nice little storefronts, you got strip malls and all that kind of stuff. There's no money in funneling a bunch of people from the hood in one little area. Ain't no money in that. You can't make no money because most of them not paying no rent anyway. But if right. you knock down those buildings and you start putting in nice little condos where you can get the yuppies that come from the the, the suburbs to come in there and spend a ton of money. Now, remember, I grew up in Jersey City, New Jersey, but those folks who are na- national, don't mean I know the area, that's right in the shadows of Manhattan. You can see the Statue of Liberty from Curry's Woods. And so those folks can live in New Jersey have access to New York. And so it's a money thing. And so to me, gentrification basically is taking the people out of their neighborhoods so that you can put your people in, the, in those neighborhoods and make a ton of money while you're doing it. That's what it is. Exactly. You know, Brother Marcus, because uh, Marcus and I are both from Jersey. I grew up in Hackensack, New Jersey. And so uh, if I just went up on a, a relatively – a small building, anything over two stories, three stories, I could see the city, you know, uh, from from wherever I was, you know, where I grew up. And the thing with, with gentrification, Marcus, is that you hit it with the land. And I just want to 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 just, you know, just a couple, some of the things, I mean, just to piggyback on some of the things that you said is that the key to it is the whole land. And, like, you grew up in Jersey City. You You have lower – Lower Manhattan, right in your backdrop. I mean, you know, you have the Holland Tunnel just within arm's reach to you, and you have access into Lower Manhattan right there uh, from where you grew up in in Jersey City. So the key to gentrification is this, is that it's prime real estate that is developable, that they can develop it, and increase the in the overall increase of the value will because of the investment that they will put into it will skyrocket because it's prime real estate. And one of the things about gentrification that's so important that we have to understand with gentrification is this for me is that if you look at where our neighborhoods where you know, let's what they call it, the ghettos, we call it the hoods. If you look at where our neighborhoods are, where predominantly the the middle class, the poor, uh, black people, because I don't I don't call us African Americans, I call us black. You know, I'm glad just, I'm glad you said I'm glad you said that because I'm real big on that. I, I'm not very fond of the phrase African American. I mean, I understand it, and you know, if you want to call us that, you know, if you want to be called that, then fine. I'm not gonna fight with you, but that's a phrase that I never use. So right. I mean, cut you off, but I'm glad you said no, that. No, no, that's I'm come on, Mark. You, but I don't call I don't call myself an African American. I call my I'm a black man. And there you, go. you know, because we will dictate who we are. We we I think it's very important for us to understand that because if we allow them to define us, then they will give a complete definition of our roles. They will define our roles. 
And that's why it's so important for me, as you said, Mark, I don't go with that. So the thing with our neighborhoods, our black neighborhoods and our black community is this. They're in the most relative and relevant commerce zones everywhere throughout this country. You got Newark, and what's right, right next to Newark? The port, right? You you have a, a lot of the, the uh, busing and uh, tr- uh, trucking uh, 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 roadways that go through through Newark. You have everywhere you go throughout this country, if you look where our neighborhoods are, you're looking at economic commerce zones. We live by our, – our neighborhoods are definitely always seem to be running through. There's railroad tracks and airports by us. And that is designed. That's purposely designed. And we have to realize with, when it comes to gentrification, Marcus, in my opinion, gentrification did not start when white people moved in. It really started when black people started moving out of our neighborhoods. Because right. in order for you to occupy a building, it has to first be made vacant. No one ha- No one can have interest in it, so if they leave, you can buy it for pennies on the dollar. And that process of gentrification, to me, really started with integration. Because the integration, they were integrating us into the society that they want wanted us to be in. But there was no integration as far as integrating all of the resources and all of the development where we were. Because you think about it, with integration, I remember, Marcus, we, you, you had a, a, a um, during the Ferguson, um, and then there was a panel discussion that you had with a bunch of brothers. And right. one brother that was, that was in the panel had said that, you know, affirmative action and in, in integration was one of the best things that ever happened to us. And I remember I texted you, and I said, right. no, integration was the worst thing that ever happened to us. It it diluted and it neutered our prosperity. How did it do that? Because of all of our great minds and our great uh, uh, professionals and our, our great talents left the neighborhoods in order to so-called have a better opportunity for themselves and their families. And this is, let me tell you, when you look at the overall plan that the that that they have, and I always say they, and I'll I, I, I put a name to it, the powers that be, the people that actually design and orchestrate uh, a means to, to fulfill their objective, they don't make a plan for one year, two years, five years, you know. They make a plan that's 200 years, 300 years in depth because these are systemic families that have been in control for so long, and we as a community, we fail to make plans that's longer than the next due date for our rent, the next due date for, um, you know, our, our car note, the next due date for some of, you know, you know, the next due date on when we're going to get paid. When we're dealing with people that have a very, very malevolent agenda economically, socially, that's against us. And so, this whole gentrification process, because remember, at one time, when before integration, when we were in our neighborhoods, our neighborhoods were thriving and they were strong. And that also goes to show that a lot of people don't realize that the labor unions came about because after 
the um, the industrial uh, uh, revolution, black people, black men, black women had all of the trade skills. And with it, with it, the counterparts do. They had to unionize to neuter the prosperity and the knowledge that our black professionals had. And that was the start. And it, it just went on and went on from there. That's the real start of gentrification. It's not when the white people moved in and the rich white people moved in. It's when the black people moved out of our neighborhood. So just want your comment or your thoughts, Marcus. Uh-oh, hope we didn't lose Marcus. Marcus? Okay, I guess we uh, uh, lost Marcus. Marcus, give us a call back. Can, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah. Okay, okay got I'm you. sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. No, I was just saying I remember that night, and I remember when we were doing that show, and I remember you texting me, you know, saying, yo, what's, 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 your, what's up with your boy? <laughs> you know, because, you know, because, you know, the truth, the truth of the matter is, you know, one of the things that I said that night was, you know, the whole thing about us wanting so much to be a part of the United mm-hmm. States and to be part of, you know, the the machine that brought us here, what caused us to, you know, minimize the, the strides that we had made. You know, if you look at the period of time after we were freed by the great President Abraham Lincoln for his great benevolent reason, insert sarcasm, uh, when you look at that period all the way up through the Civil Rights Movement, man, you start looking at the fact that we didn't have no help. You know, it was us banding together, doing things that we needed to do for each other. You know what I mean? Each one teach one, building with each other. So we had our own communities. You know what I mean? We had our own networks. We had our own families, and we took care of each other. You know, we had our own barbershops. We had our own corner stores. We had all of that kind of stuff. Black Wall Street is where all that kind of stuff came from, you know, and it was the problem of wanting to assimilate and be a part of the United States, as as as, as you will, that caused us a lot of the problems that we were. So to kind of build off of the point that you make it, you know, once we started doing all of that kind of stuff, we we kind of left it open, you know, for 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 a lot of the problems that we have, you know. And if you look at some of the communities that we you know, look at socially here in the in this country that came along behind us. Like you look at some of the Latino brothers and sisters, and you look at some of the Asian brothers and sisters, and we kind of trip off of, at least we did in Jersey, we trip off of the fact that it's like 15 of them in one little tiny car. You know what I mean? Or if you go to the Chinese corner store or the, or the, or the Middle Eastern corner store, everybody in there look the same. Everybody in there speak the same language. You kind of trip off of that. But that's the model we set. They got that from us. You know right. what I'm saying? And so when we look at the fact that now half of us don't even trust each other, when we see each other in the street, we're making the mean face. I mean, we kind of left a lot of this stuff in play for them to be able to take us over. Right. And so now you need people like Dave and Marcus J and Scotty and Big Rube and Steven that work with me to be the ones that have our mouths open and our fists in the air to let folks know we can do so much better. And gentrification is something that we can we can meet that, man, because there's so many of us that got money, but you know what? We want to keep our money. We don't want to share our money. Right. That's a right, problem. Marcus. That's a problem. Right, right, Marcus. I'm glad you made that point because it's what happened is is that – we gave up 
our prosperity because the thing that one of the things that you you were saying when you were talking about the businesses that we had and one of the key things you said earlier is that we gave up the land we gave up the land and the land that we that we hold from where we live and this is what i mean by our land wherever we live if we if we truly come together together collectively and we truly come together for the purpose of developing our own nation within a nation in our own communities and basically where we live and then we can dictate having the best schools because we own the land and if you own the land now you have a stake an economic stake and everything around you has to has to be beholden to you because you have you hold the population and the purchasing power and the overall economic strength. But what we've done is assimilating in everything. We've given up our prosperity. We've given up our prosperity. And that was what really caused us to be such a dysfunctional family. And right. instead of being a true family, as you just said with you know, when we made fun of certain people, you know, a group of people having a bunch of people in the car, well, guess what? That was the best thing that they could have done, and the worst thing for us to have done is to move off and have one car with not, no one else in it with us because we're yeah. going on a ride by ourselves. And right. that's what's so prevalent in our community is people want to ride by themselves because they've been told that you're not like them. And that's the whole integration process, Marcus. And so I just wanted to highlight that. And, you know, Marcus, let me tell you, if we had stayed and if we moved back, I, you know, I say that one of the most important things that we can do, there was an exodus that was uh, from the south to, to, the, to Chicago, to New York City, you know, a migration that was taken. We need another seasons of exodus. And this seasons of exodus has to be returning to our ghetto so-called. That's what they call them, the ghetto. We need to return. We need a seasons of exodus to return to our neighborhood and develop those neighborhoods. Why? Because they're extremely valuable. Look at, look at all of the ports throughout this country. Where are they adjacent to? They're adjacent to our neighborhoods. And if those ports are adjacent to our neighborhoods and we control everything that comes around there, now we're economically viable you won't need to ask for reparations the whole country and the whole world will be paying you and, and and dying to give you reparations so that what they can negotiate with you right right so reparations man i tell you anytime i hear that word it just fires me up though because truth of the matter is everybody gets it but us <laughs> you know yeah, right, right 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 <laughs> you know, right you know. and that's because we're, we're not economically viable because we haven't placed everybody in the car we haven't driven to our community we haven't established and refused to leave the brothers that we grew up with you know and the sisters that we grew up with but what we want to do is we don't want to be like them you know we want to get away from them because they're because of all the other things all of the institutional uh, things that that the, the 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 plights and the economic plight and the institutional plights that the world tells us that we are the problems, 
but we realize that the real root of those problems is a design plan. But see, the most important thing to me, Marcus, is that we need not to ask anyone to accept us. We just need to accept ourselves because they can't move you out of somewhere if you say, no, I'm staying here collectively. And you make that statement by purchasing, developing your businesses, and cultivating a real culture that no one else can break. But I think that's such a a thing that I think that's one of the biggest obstacles that we have in front of us is ourselves. And no one else can do that for us. Right. And trust one another. You know, I mean, we, 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 we oftentimes, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll trust other folks before we trust ourselves. And I know, you know, sometimes we. Hold we'll one second, issues. uh, Marcus, uh, we're going to go to a break real quick. So, okay. Sorry about okay. this. Uh, let, let's take a quick, uh, station break. You're listening to Tando Radio Show. If you'd like to get in on a conversation, um, if you have some thoughts, you have some opinions about it, definitely give us a call at 1 712 775. 7035 and the code is 660079 pound and just star six yourself and then hit uh one and then I will definitely get to you. You're listening to Tando Radio Show brought to you by Black Talk Radio Network. We'll be right back after this quick uh momentary break. We have to begin to move to control our community. Everything that's in your community that you don't control is a weapon against you. Public education as it exists today is a weapon against black people. TV and news media, especially the WPP, white power press, white people's paper, and white people's power are enemies against black people. What the white press does is that it makes black people an enemy of black people. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Conversation, uh, we would love to hear from you. It's something that we really need to have a real dialogue about because once we have a dialogue about it, then we can really develop an action plan to change this. It's not something that we should just haphazardly uh, uh, talk about and then uh, continue to, you know, allow it to happen because so often we complain about things. No longer do we need to complain. We need to change. And the only way that you can change something is if you do it yourself. You heard the old saying, if you want something done right, you have to, you got to do it yourself. That's what it is with us. If we want to get this done right, then we have to do it ourselves. If you'd like to get in on the conversation that we're having with our, our great brother Marcus J., Marcus Johnson from Ain't No Half Steppin', definitely give us a call at 1-712-775-7035, and the access code is 660079-POUND. Uh, just enter in there and uh, hit star six and then put your, uh, the queue part that if you would like to talk, uh, get into the queue and just hit one, and then I will definitely get to you and get to your questions or comments. Would love to hear from you, Marcus, and I. Uh, this is something that we definitely have to do. So I want to get back to the overall conversation uh, that we're having with, with our brother Marcus J. Marcus, you there? I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Okay, bro. So just before, before we left, Marcus, we were talking about uh, 
you, you know, you said that reparations, you know, when you hear that, everyone gets that but us. And, and so I just want to uh, continue that. Why is that, Marcus? Why? Why? And also one of the questions that I wanted to have from you, what are the real effects of, of gentrification? Well, reparations, I'll, I'll kind of go to that first. I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. When I look at it, I, I have a hard time understanding how it is that we accept the fact that everybody else seems to be on the agenda of our country except us when right. we're the ones who, you know, it's a, you know, it's kind of, you know, quote unquote, the company line, you know, when black folks start complaining, the first thing they do is complain about is lack of reparations, but it's real talk. <laughs> I mean, you know, right. when you look, when you look at what has happened here to us in our country and the fact that anytime someone in an intellectual way tries to bring forth the idea of a financial apology for the things that our ancestors have went through, you know, we get put in the, the crazy bucket. You're the crazy guy. You know, you, you, you stay over here. We don't want to hear from you. You know, we'd rather hear from your, you know, from, from another person in your, in your community. You know, the truth, the truth of the matter is the model for reparations is how you look at how the uh, LGB community, the LGBT community is being treated. They right there in the middle of the forefront. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they're the ones who are getting, you know, the ear of the president. You know, they're the ones that are getting the ear of, you know, the, the country with regards to the, uh, the, a lot of them, you know, getting, you know, the states that are, uh, uh, you know, legalizing the, the unions and things of that sort. That's reparations. That's them getting right. what they want. Exactly. That's them getting what it is. That's them getting what they're asking for. You know, and, you know, I'm not, in a situational position to to speak ill of that community. That's not what my 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 purpose is. But what what my, what my purpose is is to speak on why is that not us fighting harder for what it is that we want now. Um, as far as what was the second thing? The second thing you asked me was the I lost my train. So what was the second thing you asked me? You said the the, the, the the second thing, uh, uh, Marcus, was um, what are the effects? The effects of gentrification. The effects of gentrification. I mean, the truth of the matter is the easiest and most obvious effect is displacement. You know, where did those people who got put out of Cary Woods go? Where they at? Where they at? You had four or five towers. Unmuted. You know, when you're talking about 10, 15 stories, you know, however many apartments and however many people per apartment that are now displaced, okay, they strategically made sure that they didn't knock them all down at one time, but they knocked them down. They're gone. There's no more Curry's Woods in Jersey City. So where do those people go? And so the most obvious uh, effect is displacement, you know, and you start finding that those people had to go somewhere, so they start filtering into probably most logically the neighboring, you know, the neighboring neighborhoods. You know, and they start, you know, you know, moving into their, those areas and those neighborhoods start filling up and things like that. So, so that's the most obvious. That's the first thing that I think of. Right, right. It is. It is. Marcus, uh, we have a, a caller that's in queue. Let's go to that caller uh, real quick, okay? You got it. Okay. Welcome, caller, to Tando Radio Show. Could you state your name and where you're from and what's your comment or uh, question? Hey, uh, good evening. 
First of all, Cordell, I'm over here in Illinois. I was just sitting here thinking of a couple of things you said, and I, it brought to mind a song. Uh, people moving out, people moving in. Why? Because of the color of their skin. Run, run, run. But you sure can't hide. That's gentrification. Uh, mm. You guys were talking earlier, and you were right on point. You started off with status. I'm, I'm going to hit a touch of a couple of points. Yeah. Uh, that status is very important. I, I, I've been looking into that, and, and that status, until we unify as a people, it's going to be important to all have a handle. That handle is very important. I'm 59 years old. I started off as being a Negro, colored, uh, black. In the 70s, we were black, black power. We love that. I love that. Uh, now we African American, and my studies just make me real, real hesitant about who, what you call me. Um, I'm looking at things like the Moors, the uh, Hebrew Israelites, uh, the Almecs, uh the Spanish were here. We got our roots are so deep here in this country in all right. kind of ways. We 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 have to be very careful about our status, very careful, because that's going to be one of the points. Unification that's going to be very important about how they handle us, reparations or whatever. So that right, that, right. that that point that's going to be a, a, a great conversation. I want to hear that, hear more people talk about that, to see where other people's heads on that as we get a general consensus of, as a people, how we want to move. Yeah, and you know, uh, brother, Bra- brother Bragg, for me, the, the status is so important, and I think the most important thing that we have to do, um, in, in you know, we have to stop becoming the wandering Jew. Right, um, right. And what, what you, I you mean respect is, it without a name or a country, then that's what's important. You can't, exactly. You can't go before a national body without unification of some sort. What What are you? What body are you? You, you see what I'm saying? That's why that's yes, so important. And and we all got to start thinking about that, I mean, collectively, so that we, we can come to some kind of general consensus. Yeah, I'm saying your, your studies. If you study like me, and I'm pretty sure both of you gentlemen do, because I hear your conversation. We are so diverse, and when you talk about gentrification, you guys were talking about planning. Check this out. I'm in Chicago. I can remember we had like a little bowery here for years, for like 20 years, and we used to say, "Wow, this this is prime location. This is prime real estate." But nothing was happening with it. People just it was flop houses and drug sales and this and that. Man, one day they started construction. They moved everybody. We don't know where these people went. But I tell you what, right now, an apartment, a, a condo is like $300,000. I'm talking about right down here on Wabash in uh, Chicago, down in the heart of the city down there. There used to be flop flop areas down there. These people planned this so slick. They, 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 they came and just overturned it. You couldn't even cry they did it so smooth. And that's how they do things. You, like you're talking about planning. They have a city plan. They plan it 20, 30 years in advance. The people right. with the money, they're in the know. They know exactly what's going to transpire. They're ready to jump in there and take all opportunities. If you're not part of the clique, you won't get none. That's what that Shackman decree was here in Chicago. You couldn't get things done because you wasn't politically correct, connected. You know what I'm saying? So if you were a minority, woman or male, you were outside the game. These neighborhoods in Chicago changed as the as the demographics changed. The people got older. They retired. Some of them gave the homes to their children. The children didn't pay the taxes. These people laying here waiting for you to sleep on that. You sleep right. on those taxes. They got you. By the time you know anything, they coming to move you out. And it's sad, but that's the game. We got to play the game like they play the game. We got to play it to win. We got to be vigilant, pay attention to our neighborhoods. And who yeah. let that come in? We're the only people who let anybody come in, set up shop in our neighborhood, and sell us whatever. 
Well said. Nobody well does said. that but us. Nobody. No one else. No one else. And that is what has to change. And the only way that you can really uh, maintain your strength and the leverage that you have is if this we need a, le- a leaderless collective movement where everyone decides enough is enough. Let me tell you, one of the most important things with reparations, I'm going to just say this real quick, and with gentrification, is this. First you ask them. They still won't do it. Then you tell them. They still haven't done it. Now the onus comes back to us. Now we have to make them. And until we take that mind step, uh, uh, set of first I asked you, then I told you, now I'm going to make you. And how do we really make anything is that we come collectively together and say no more because we are starting what we need to do. And one of the key things that you have to first start is with your homeland. You have to establish your grounds, your land. You have to. And instead of being the wandering Jew, we have to lay claim to where we already are. And where are we? The suburbs aren't ours. You know the what? suburbs aren't ours. When you talk about the suburbs, that, that's a whole other thing. Most people miss that too. When you talk about the suburb, a suburb is a, a is a created environment. The government subsidizes these people to come out here. They paid them a certain amount of money to move out here. They helped build these houses. They gave them the houses for little or nothing, so they would come out and occupy the outskirts of the city and the suburbs. Whereas by the time we come out to the suburbs, in reverse regentrification, we move out, the prices go up. They go to the city and replace us in the city. And, the, and the, all of the taxes and everything in the city go the, the, the real killer in gentrification is when the people come and take the land and they throw that money and then they change their tax base. You got yep. it's uncle now. All you can do if you don't have the money, all you can do is slap the mat. That's it. That is it's it. called Brother, uncle because they got you. Right. You're absolutely right, brother. As always, great, great call. Love when you call in. Uh, please continue to listen and, and, and call in because you bring you bring the heat. And now the thing is that we need to start. Instead of just talking about it, we need to devise an action plan to be about it. So no longer will we ask or tell. Now we're making. And the first make we have to do is we have to make ourselves commit to this and actually do something about it. Thanks for the call, brother. All right. And remember, it's got to be a collective. It's got to be when the dragon thinks, he whips his tail. That's that collective. That's right. That's right. Thank you so much, brother. All right. All right. Thank you. I'll I'll stay here and listen on the line. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, um, uh, Marcus, so, as you know, our community, we, we've seen it, we know what's up, but we continue to do. What is it about us, Marcus, that we would rather move out? We would rather, you know, we want to complain about the gentrification, but we had an opportunity to do something about it, and we still have an opportunity, but that window is closing. Why is it that we can't go back to the hood? Is that something that's a, a utopia? Is that something that uh, people will not uh, uh, buy into? What, what is what is it with that, Marcus? With uh, having another seasons of Exodus back into the into the neighborhood? Okay, so yes, we, uh, brother Marcus, if you got lost in, the, uh, definitely give us a call back. Uh, so this is um this is something that we definitely. This is something that we definitely have to uh, uh, do. Hold on. We got another caller uh, while we're waiting on Marcus J to get back. Let's go to the other caller. 
Uh, welcome, caller. You're listening to Tando Radio Show. Uh, what is your name, where you're calling from, and what's your comment or question? Hey, what's up, Dave? This is Dallas. Right quick. Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm not going to be here long. That's okay. And you're on with Brother Marcus J. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Hey, Marcus J. What's going on, brother? Uh, hey, what's going on? I'm back. Oh, appreciate, appreciate. Yeah, right quick, because I want to hear everybody else's calls, too. But right quick, another thing, just like you guys said, we have to stop calling ourselves African-Americans. Another term that we have to start calling ourselves is, uh, uh, is a minority. Uh, we have to say black folks are not a minority. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, that's another reason why we don't get no benefits, because black folks has always considered themselves as, uh, as a minority. And minorities are included. Uh, they're, uh, they're white women, they're Asians, Hispanic. Matter of fact, anybody who's not from America uh, is a minority. And if we keep calling ourselves a, a minority, uh, like, okay, so we can, uh, uh, want any benefits, uh, we're not going to get them because black folks are going to be at the bottom of the, uh, the toe pole and stuff like right. that. So and that's fine. And so it's, just like you said, David, we, uh, we have to uh, demand it. So when we demand it, we got to say it uh, strictly and solely for black folks. Not minorities, because we're not gonna get nothing. They're gonna say, "Okay, you want something? Oh, we did. We get, we got white women, we got Asians here. We, you know what? Uh, uh, and plus, they're right. You know what I'm saying? Because they are all minorities. So we gotta say strictly black folks. Okay, but that's it. That's- man, great point, Dallas. Always, man. Thank you so much for calling in. Great, great point. Right. We need that's to a, stop labeling point. ourselves yep. other than being black. Uh, Marcus, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. What did you? No, nah, you, 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 you had lost me for a second. I'm back in for some reason. I got dropped. Yeah. But, but here's the deal, man. That, that caller right there was on point because yeah. I am real big on you are who you say you are. You know what I mean? And and, and one of my one of my brothers, K Dub, always says, "Create the world you live in." You know what right. I mean? And 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 that mentality is the same with regards to. You are who you say you are. Not what they say you are, but who you say you are. And so if you call yourself a minority, you know what I mean, then you're already minimizing because the root of the word minor, minority, is, you know, to say that you're less than or you're small. You know what I mean? If you look at the African, if you look at who we are, we are the majority, not just in this country, but in this world. In the world, everywhere. In this world, and you got to know that. You got to understand that. You know, and another thing that just drives me absolutely crazy is this N-word, y'all. We got to stop that. We got to stop that. It's not cool. You you can't call your brother the N-word and mask it by saying that you're using it as a term of an endearment. It's not an term of endearment. It's Hmm. not. Even if you go... you, you, there's so many ways you can look at that, man. You can you can look at that and you can say, uh, you know what, the the white man called us that and wanted to be nasty to us and all that kind of stuff. You you can go there, right? But then you can even take it to the dictionary. You can go there and say it's in the dictionary as ignorant. So right. what's up? You gonna say, yo, what's up, my ignorant? Really? <laughs> right. Come right. on, man. What are we doing? So it's right, very right. important. That last caller was so on point. You. You gotta be real careful with that. Gotta be. Yeah, definitely. Great points, Marcus J. That's why you're so relevant. That's why it's this conversation is so needed. And Marcus, just before, um, I don't know if you heard the question that I had for you, but my question is that, Marcus, to me, it's so important that we redefine a new seasons of Exodus. And this season of Exodus is where we have to come out of where we were, and we need to go back home. 
and it's so important for us to go back home. But in, And I'm going to get into later on why we need to go back home, why it's one of the best things that we could do. But, Marcus, what is the biggest dilemma? Why is it that how we've been so programmed to stay away from us as much as we can as soon as we make some form of, you know, change, as soon as we get a, a little coupon uh, uh, a daily coupon slip from, you know, the establishment, which is cash. They give us right. a little coupon, and then we'll we'll run out of and, and redeem that coupon somewhere else because we don't want to stay in our communities to build our communities. I mean, I fell into it. I fell into it. Hey, we, you know, I want, you know, I'm afraid of what's going on here and this and that. Well, this is the thing, you know. This at some point you wake up and then you say, wait a minute, I need to totally change this. Because if I'm here, I won't I won't allow this, and I'm going to change this school system and change this block by what? I'm going to have relations with my brothers. Right. You know, instead of isolation. Because now when you, when you do that, you ostracize and you isolate, someone goes from, from, from civilized to pharaoh in a minute. Right. So uh, what's your overall thought to that? Here's my deal with that, man. A lot of the problems that we have, we have not rectified since our enslavement. You know, there's some things that we have, but there's a lot that we haven't. A lot of the negativity, a lot of the mentality, you know, you know, when you look at how some of our sisters, you know, you know, baby their boys. They baby their boys because it's been ingrained in us, you know, all the way back to slavery that the man was taken from the home. And so you didn't want to see what happened to your man happened to your child. And so right. you babied him, you coddled him. You know, we see that, you know, we, we see that mentality in the way we're raising our children, our boys in particular now. And so when you look at gentrification and you look at the fact that, you know, a lot, a lot of the, uh, you know, our, our people, when they get a little bit of money, they want to go be with them. And when I say that, I don't mean the white man. I'm talking about, you know, it's, it's bigger than white and black. It's more, it's more, it's more about, it's more about money and economics. But if you look at what was going on in slavery time, where did you want to be? If you was a slave, where did you want to be? You want to be yep. in the big house. Yep. You want to be in the big house. You wanted to be where you perceive there to be comfort. You want to be comfortable in the big house. And so it's that same dichotomy now. Same right. thing is going on now. And so you get a little bit of cheddar, and. You want to go, and you want to go live in the neighborhoods where they are. And, right. you know, I, I think that it would be noble, you know, to, to, to pick up your brother and to bring your hmm. brother with you. But the problem with that is, what's they, what do they tell you that that is? They tell you that's socialism. You can't do that. America, right. we ain't socialists. We don't do that. They do that in Europe. We don't do that here. So we right. get caught up in it, and we don't pay attention to the fact of the matter is, this is what we did again. Back to what I said earlier. We set the model. If you look at again the other communities, they know what they was doing. And right. we got away and we got away from it. And we got away from it. Exactly. Mark, you know, let me tell you, I have this saying, uh, Mark, and it just reiterates what you what you said. What you just said. A land without men is occupied. A land yeah. without men is occupied and a land without women is barren. Our men are gone, so our land is occupied. Our land is occupied in the gentrification of that so-called. They just gave it a term, and so that you you wouldn't, so they wouldn't say occupying, you know, and and forcing you to move. 
they came up like with austerity and all these other they make up words, you know, but our land is occupied because uh, we have no men anymore. We have no men anymore, and we have to before it's too late. Because let me tell you, Marcus, this is the plan. After you occupy, occupy the land, now you destroy the women. And don't think just because they've given you so-called false opportunities, you are in the crosshairs. You are in the crosshairs, and you always will be because you're not them. You're chasing them. You're chasing them. You're not defining your own existence from your own people. And the land without men is occupied, and the land without women is barren. And so, Marcus, it's 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 so important. Let's um let me go through this line uh, because some people said they they couldn't get in to uh, ask some questions. So let me run through some of the people that's here. Let's see if they have some questions. Uh, one second, okay, Marcus. You got it. Okay. Welcome, caller, to Tando Radio Show. Did you have a question? Uh, for the guests or a comment that you would like to make. Okay. Nope. Yes. Brother, did you have a, a question or comment that you would like to make, and where are you calling from? Yeah, this this Jerry calling from Chattanooga. Yeah, what's up, Jerry? Hey. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, Dave. How you doing? Uh, good, good. You're on the, you're on the, uh, on the air with uh, uh, Marcus J. Yeah, hey, how on, you doing, Marcus? I'm I'm really enjoying the show today. I uh, uh, appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Thank you for calling and thank you for listening. Uh, it's no problem. I'm gonna check out your show too. But my question is, for uh, a lot of I'm I'm a younger fella, so a lot of the things that we see, that we've seen as we was coming up, was stuff just imitations of the the men that came before us. And I imagine, like you were saying, between the, uh, back when we had the families and stuff and when they put the crack in the neighborhoods and kind of broke that up, I think that's when everybody else wanted to start going away from the neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So what is it that we could do? Well, say I'm just one person, but what is it? Well, I have my own things that I would like to do. But what is it that when you're trying to convince somebody else, well, not convince, but just teach them, what is it should you start with to make them want to start back caring about the neighborhood? You got to grab a hold of your brothers, man. You got to you got to grab a hold of your brother. And when you have a passion about it, when you understand what's going on, you need to make your brother understand what's going on. You need to share with him what it is that you're feeling. And don't just talk to them. Show them. Show them. Show them why a problem is a problem. And don't just give them a problem. Work with him on solutions because what's going to happen, you know, what you hope to have happen is as excited as you are to share with him that situation, he's going to be even more excited. And what he's going to do is he's going to grab a hold of another problem. You know what I'm saying? And each one teach one. You push him, he's going to pull you. And you continue to build. This is how you build. This is what grassroots is all about. And so you got to grab a hold of your brothers, man, and you got to build your neighborhood. you got to build your community. That's how you do it. Dave? Yeah, exactly. And I would say one thing. You know, the brother said that uh, he was one person. You're the one person that matters. 
You're the one person that matters, and it all starts uh, uh, with you. And, and this is a good brother here, uh, uh, Brother Hayes is a good. And the, the thing in convincing people is like Marcus said, you you got to take a, a interest in them. But the most important thing is you got to set the example. You have to totally set the example. When we in this solution base, it has to be that you are willing to do whatever it is that needs to, to be done to affect, because this is bigger than just us. This is how we regain our prosperity. And one of the most important things is that you have to first realize how critical you are. And if you realize that, that in, in the emulation that you will, dis, I mean, the, the, the effect that you will have, others will want to emulate because you realize your worth. And then you treat other people in that same light. And I'm telling you, it's natural for us. And others will emulate and perpetuate, I mean, in, in, um, in to, um, to energize that momentum so that you will have a complete perpetual motion that cannot be stopped, cannot be stopped. So you are more than just one person. You are the most important person in this whole thing, in this whole thing. Thank you, brother, for the call. Uh, Marcus, we're getting ready to go to a uh, break, but when we come back out of the break, okay. I want to introduce what I think the real underlying down-the-line agenda is and why it's so important for us to get back into our communities as quickly as possible, as okay. quickly as possible. So you're listening to Tando Radio Show on Brought to you by the Black Talk Radio Network. And if you'd like to get in on the conversation, there are some people that are still in queue. I will definitely get to you. Uh, if you'd like to get in the conversation, the number is 1-712-775-7035. And the access code is 660079-POUND. Uh, give us a call. I would love to hear from you. We need to hear from you because you are, just like our brother Hayes that called, you are the most important person in this whole thing. You are the key. You are the common denominator for the success of our nation. Listen to Black Talk Radio. I mean, sorry, you listen to Tando Radio uh, Show. We'll be right back after this quick break. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For live programming schedules, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Okay, welcome back, everyone, to Tando Radio Show. I am your host, David Wren, and our special guest is Marcus J. from Ain't No Half Stepping with Marcus J. And the conversation that we're having um, is about gentrification. What does it mean? How does it affect in our community? What can we do about it? And we are definitely uh, looking to not just – we already know it's here, but we need to really look at why it came about because uh, – in you know, Marcus, are you there, Marcus? Yeah, I'm here. And um, one second, if you'd like to get in on the conversation, let me give you the number is 712-775-7035, and the access code is 660079-POUND. Uh, Marcus, you know, the, the, the thing that – the underlying thing as to why we keep continuing to find ourselves at the bottom of the totem pole is because we allow ourselves to be placed there. Because we continue to ask to, to be accepted, and we beg and we plead to be accepted in a in a society, in a program society, that it can't afford for us to to take our rightful place. 
And because it can't afford for us to take our rightful place, it's to, it's more beneficial economically for them to keep us in our place, you know. And it's it's kind of you're asking the people that's created the crisis that's turned into a conflict. You keep asking them to give you the solution. Right. And since they created the problem and we keep running to them for validation and acceptance, we continue to find out 20 years later that, oh, shoot, we just got duped out of our land through gentrification. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, shoot, we just got duped out of X, Y, and Z. Oh, shoot, we just got duped out of a real education. Oh, shoot, we just got duped out of, you know, uh, we're sick because the food that we eat is, is killing us. You know? Right. Oh, shoot, we got duped. No, you didn't get duped. You wanted to get duped. Right. You know? You can never con make a contract with the devil and expect to get into the land of milk and honey. It just don't happen. Right. It just doesn't happen, Marcus. So that's... um. And if you'd like to get on the conversation with our special guest, Marcus J., who is dropping it like, you know, like always, uh, uh, Marcus, so, you know, that's something that we have to stop doing. We have to stop running to the very uh, uh, system that has created our plight. Right. No, I think, I mean, I, I agree with you, man. I mean, I, one thing that I'm very firm on, on, on you know, half seven with Marcus J., is that you have to have a plan. You know, you can't just, you know, go and expect your situation to change on its own. You have to have a plan, and you have to implement your plan. But a part of your plan is you got to work together, man. you got to work with people like-minded. you got to find like-minded people, and you got to work together, and you got to be willing to understand that everybody's not going to come along with you. There's different kinds of people. You know what I mean? There's three, kind of, just look at it like this. It's like three different kinds of people. You know, you got your A personality people that's aggressive and they want to get it done and they want, you know, it to happen now and all of those kinds of stuff. And then you got those people, which is the majority, majority of the people. It's like, eh, you know, whatever. If it'll come, it'll just come. It'll just come. Then you got those people that's in the middle. Those are the ones you got to convince because that's going to be your workforce. So if those people at the top, the the the, the people that you know got it, the fire in their belly, if they can convince just some of those people in the middle to come along with them, then you might have some. That's what the talented Tenth and W. E. B. Du Bois was all about. You know what I mean? That's what that was all about. You had the right. people who had the plan, and you got the people that you want to 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 be your workforce. And so I think we need to. The, the key is we got to work together. That's something that we just don't do. I I see that. You know, oftentimes, you know, with running Legacy Internet Radio, the radio station that I that I founded, you know, not necessarily on the inside, but just going outside in the community and just trying to get our people to support us in certain in certain areas. I mean, you got a lot of people that do support us, and you got some that don't, and you wonder what good reason could you have to not support someone that looks like you, that comes from where you come from, that's essentially your family. Like, what, what possible reason could you have to not support that? You know, and that and that is the mentality that, we are, that we're working with, that we're working against. And we got to figure out a way to break that. we got to figure out a way to get to a point where we're not celebrating bad behavior. We're not celebrating the chick on television on VH1 that's throwing a chair at another chick. Right. You know, we're not celebrating 
you know, the brother who's wearing the skinny jeans that's sagging off his tail. You know what I mean? We're not celebrating the brother who got the two teardrop tattoos under his eye. <laughs> you know, we got to figure out a way that we cannot celebrate bad behavior. And, and we got to stop watching Maury. You know, I mean, all these things are coming to my mind right now, but I'm just saying this, this is the mentality that we're working against. And so we got to figure out Dave, Marcus J, Scotty, people in my crew at Legacy and Radio, we are the ones. Because people listen to us right now. We know they yeah. are because they call us. And they right, hit right. us up on, on, on Facebook. Our sister Melanie just hit us up a few minutes ago. They listening. And so yeah. there's a hunger. There's a hunger for this. And so we just got to get folks to the point where we ain't just talking. We're actually doing Right, right. Man, it's so – yes, they're hitting me up on, you know um, – They hit me know, up on, too. <laughs> on my phone. Big shout uh, – uh, Sister Terry said, thank you, Marcus J., for making that point about us being the majority. Uh, thank you, Brother uh, Dallas Webb, for bringing that point to, you know, for us, because that's that's what we really need is that we need to cooperate with each other, you know, and, and zig and zag together because there are different views, and, and if we have different talents and we bring them all together, man, you can't stop it. Big shout-out uh, to a brother that I was in the military with, uh, Schultz, my man. It's a good, good brother there. Much love to you. Uh, so, Marcus J., hold on. Let's go to some of these. Let me get through some of these calls just because I don't want to keep people uh, waiting. Uh, one second, okay, brother? You got it. I'm here. Okay. Hello, Carly. Uh, you're live on Tando Radio Show. Did you have a comment or a question for the the guest, uh, Marcus J.? And could you say your name and, and where you calling from? Brother good Davis from Pennsylvania. Hey, brother hey, Davis. Brother David. Come on. Come on. You you definitely have to definitely get have in to on the conversation. On yes, brother David. Hey, Mark, you, uh, brother David, your Marcus is doing an outstanding job. I think you 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 brushed you just brushed on the tip of our reality. Uh, w. D. Du Bois said, "Don't think for a minute that America is going to allow you to do something they don't want you to do." Yep. That's why he started the movement back to Africa. In every circumstance, when black people were on their own and built on their own, they were successful, and that success meant the terrorism of America. So we're going to have to come to the realization, if we go by what has happened to the past, the programming that we're under right now, and you spoke on Maury and all of that, that's a part of the program that keep us to be emotional people. Well, emotional people do not think with... Hmm. Well said, brother. Brother Davis says, you know, my whole thing is that you know, you can have emotions, but you you're, you should never uh, allow your decisions to be dictated by your emotions. Uh, yep. Oh, man, I think we lost. Brother Davis, you still there? I think we lost him, Dave. Yeah, I think we lost him. Yeah, he was, he's making a great point. He's probably out on the road. Okay, let's go to another caller. Uh, Brother Davis, if you can, call back, as, as always, it's the, the powerful Brother Davis. Uh, let's, yeah. One second. Welcome to Tando Radio Show. Uh, if you could state your name. And where you're from, and if you have a question for the uh, guest, Marcus J., go ahead. You, the floor is yours. Hey, Dave, this is Deborah. Hey, what's up, Deborah? How are you? I'm good. Good, hey, good, I just good. I had a couple yes. of comments. Uh, yes, one of course. Was about uh, living here in Chicago and just seeing how the gentrification has taken place since I've been here. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, uh, you know, I'm coming out of engineering field, so. I've mm. been on both sides of it as far as seeing how they change a lot of 
of the areas based on what's going on here in the city. Like when Michael Jordan was playing ball and how they came through and just took over the west side, you know. And uh, and they were moving people out like left to right. But then also people have to understand that we're pretty much experiencing uh, slavery again because of the fact that when they take and move us out of the city and make it where it's possible for making making it hard for you to, you know, get around and everything, then, you know, you're you're left stranded out there. But then also, uh, as far as the city and looking at how Chicago is ran, uh, you know, everything that they do is in the city, from the sports to the clubs to you know, the restaurants and stuff like that, and they pretty much are planning on locking the city down as far as um, with transportation-wise and making it hard for you, you know, when you're out there in the suburbs and stuff of getting, getting right, food. Right, Deborah. You know, you, you know, being able to, you know, have the groceries and stuff like that to be able to get food and stuff in those areas. Mm. Deborah, hold on one second, Deborah. Let me tell you, Deborah is hitting on the point that I was going to 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 bring um, in, in this video because Deborah is is speaking from an engineering mind and in an understanding and knowledge and experience. Deborah is absolutely right. So I didn't mean to interrupt you, Deborah, but go ahead and finish with what it was because you're absolutely right. No, and then just even like I've been here in Chicago for about twenty years now, and when I first came. You know, they were in the process of uh, knocking down Pagrini Green and, you know, like uh, the um, project that they showed on Good Time and stuff like that. And all those areas now are gone and they're being taken over by, you know, the uh, the white community and by soldier fields and and, uh, the white socks and all that type of stuff. And you can't even get in to those areas without paying over uh, three to five or even more million dollar, you know, condos and different things like that. So that's one thing that, you know, I always try to um, put in, you know, bring to my friends is like, look, you know, we need to be trying to, you know, come together and do these, you know, get into these properties and stuff like that. But, you know, that's like talking to deaf ears. But then also this is one thing I always have said is, uh, you know, we need to, as far as black people, we need to start looking at not being the only one to shine, but to make sure that we help others to shine. And that's how we can take over and become a wealthy state yes. at this point as far as, you know, people, you know. So I just wanted to say that, Dave. Man, I take Deborah a wealth. Thank you so much for calling in. You added so much to it, and you are exactly right. Um, and I appreciate you. Please continue to listen and, and call in any time. And then um, give me a call later because we need to talk. Right. I haven't talked to you in a while. All right. So, and tell Marcus uh, it's nice hearing what he has to say and his point of views too because that's what we need. We need yes. this kind of dialogue, as you say, and then just having like-minded people. And I've been, work- I've been waiting on you all to come. Trust me. We that's appreciate it, Deborah. I'm here, and I hear you, and I thank you. Thank you for your kind words. Thank you. So okay. Wow. All hey, right. Marcus, okay. you know, Deborah had hit on some great things. I want to go to the video uh, real quick. Is is that okay? Um, 
uh, go to the yeah, video go. because this video is so important because let me lay it out for you. You're going to hear something. Let me tell you what happens. In order for hate, right, in order for hate to maintain its stronghold, hate has an expiration date. And everything that they do is cyclical. They turn it around. They are not only setting up our community, they're setting up everyone. Because in order to maintain the power that they need over everyone, they have to establish a boogeyman, a threat, so that everyone will fight among themselves and not to see what's really going on, what's really going on. So I want you, I'm going to play this video, and it's, it's key to what's happening, and you got to hear this stuff. So uh, let's go to the video real quick. The Weimar Republic was the government of Germany between 1919 and 1933. It was a test of democracy. It was right after World War I. Germany had lots of debt. They owed the world a lot of money. They were restructuring. Germany didn't manufacture anything. They had produced things for the war, and that was it. What they decided to do was this. The German government decided they had to print money. Now, printing money may seem like a great idea, except for the fact that there was nothing to back it. So they started with what was called the paper mark, and the paper mark, when they began, was equal to about 4.2 U.S. dollars at the time. Salaries started to go up, costs started to go up, money became fluid, but the reality of it is as the prices increased, the money became worthless. You see these magnificent stories that are shown in every history book of wheelbarrows of cash being carried from breakfast to lunch, the work that they'd done for the morning solely to buy any bread, any goods, any anything that they could get such that they could pay it because by the end of the day that paper would be worth nothing. And so these wheelbarrows of cash became completely worthless such that one trillion paper marks equaled one dollar after the inflationary period, which we'd call it hyperinflationary period of time, of printing and printing and printing. The main economic downfall came largely because of the printing of money and their attachment to debt with the United States. When the collapse of the markets came, the United States, they were dependent upon the U.S. It was the perfect storm, so not only was their money worthless, they were now owing huge obligations to a country that was suffering under the demise of the stock market. So the, com the combination of all of these took what should have been a test of democracy and created fertile ground for someone who might come in at a later time and say, you know what? Democracy didn't work. The markets didn't work. Listen to me, we'll take care of you, which was the ushering in of the Third Reich. Look at the specific steps and the domino that occurred. Step one, right wing and left wing, huge conflicts. Do we have a division between right wing and left wing? Many would say there is. Step two, huge deficits run by Germany. Do we have huge deficits? Larger deficits than we've ever had in history. Step three, no goods to produce. Do we have no goods to trade? What do we make? The United States doesn't produce goods. We have not had a production or an innovation of goods really since the 1980s and 90s when we manufactured computers. So you look at each of these steps, and the fact that Germany didn't manufacture anything, you can see parallels to the United States. And then you go to the next step. 
they started printing money. They printed money and started monetizing their debt. By printing money, they moved into a realm where their money had no value. And it started to reduce in value, driving up prices. There are th two or three differences. One, the size of our economy and the consumption of our economy is much different than the German economy. So many might make the case, and I find it ironic, that we're too big to fail. That the rest of the world won't allow our currency to be so devalued. And many would say that all the debt that we owe China and Japan and others, they would never allow us to devalue our currency because it would only devalue what we have to pay them back. So that may be a difference, but I find the irony compelling. The very thing that we are claiming as the worst thing that could happen to America, that we would have companies or industries that are too big to fail, is the very thing we are depending upon for our survival. That we as Americans are so large as consumers to the world that the world would not allow us to fail. We are printing money and distributing it through the Fed by the Fed, Federal Reserve borrowing from the federal government, if you will, and putting cash out there. They're buying these bonds, taking the IOU and giving the cash to the government so the government can spend. It's no different than the government just printing it and spending it, but it appears to be through an external source, being the Fed, when it really isn't. It is simply handing the Fed cash to give back to them so that they can spend it, and the Fed holds the IOU. Now that kind of monetization of debt or circularity of debt is something that you didn't see in Germany in a circular fashion. It was overt. The question is, what happens when the rest of the world discovers that we are monetizing and doing nothing different than what they did in the Weimar Republic in Germany? The one thing that the Weimar Republic did post-Weimar, toward the end of a period of time, is where they, they shifted to that new currency and they backed it up with land. That was their first effort and attempt to establish it as a currency that had something of underlying value. What do we have in the United States of underlying value? Trust. As soon as someone no longer believes that the United States can repay its obligations, it has no collateral, and that paper has no value. A AAA rating means nothing if people can't repay it. But as long as they believe that we have sufficient trust, or that we will consume enough of their goods, or we will produce enough as an economy that we have value, then it sustains itself. But only so long as the trust is in place. Wow, I hope you were really paid attention to what you just heard, because this is the thing. The Weimar Republic uh, uh, template, cookie cutter, worked so well before, and so few of us know about history so that now it's viable today. In this time, it's going to be the U.S. that's going to be the Weimar Republic, the new Weimar Republic. And why that is so important is because if you know anything about history, Hitler tried to run for office, right? But he couldn't get in the first time. He didn't win when he got the first time. And they were already starting to institute 
a lot of the things. Germany used to be the beacon of freedom. They had human rights. They had uh, property rights. That's why they were able to have some of the greatest technology. That's why they had great German engineering because the people were free. But it was a false freedom because the freedom wasn't based in the people. It was based in the decree of the government. And these governments are in one big fraternity, them versus you. These governments do not have an obligation or any allegiance to you. They have the only obligation that they have is to wealth and power. And and that's the only that's the only allegiance that they have. So now the Weimar Republic, what was significant with that? And why does it how was gentrification so important here? The most one of the most important things in that that I want to, to just bring to your attention is that you have to know history. Germany got in so much debt, and they owed the debt to the U.S. Kind of, kind of sounds familiar now. The U.S. is in so much debt to who? To China. And what happened was that the land was the key. Now in the United States, the port of San Diego was owned by China. The, the trade zones are starting to be – the United States is actually in receivership. And gentrification is just one part of that receivership. And just like the Weimar Republic, the key to everything, especially now, is that we're moving from a debt-based economy to an asset-based economy. And what are around the trade zones throughout this country? It's our neighborhoods. So those neighborhoods, the value of those neighborhoods are going to go far far beyond what you think the last development that happened 10 years ago or five years ago. That's not the peak. The real peak is that whoever controls and whoever is in those trade zones are key to the overall commerce structure and infrastructure remaining viable. They're going to collapse our economy. But it's the common man's economy that's going to be collapsed. And this is why it's so imperative for us to move back into our neighborhoods and take back that land. Because in this new economy, those that are around those trade zones will establish the negotiations and the deals for the rest of the suburbs in order for them to get the goods. So it's going to be a choking point. And if you look at where our neighborhoods are, they are right next to the overall commerce infrastructure. We cannot lose our place. If we lose our place and we lose our land, we will not be able to ever get it back because the system is going to change. And if you notice, with with Germany, they had big debt and everything else. What were they doing? They were they allowed the Weimar Republic to go into great debt so that they could do what? The Weimar Republic built the infrastructure. The people built the infrastructure. Then they collapsed the economy, and the infrastructure stayed in place. And what was the one of the first things that they did was stop manufacturing. They stopped producing stuff. What has happened in this country? What happened to Detroit? Do not move out of Detroit. 
because the infrastructure for commerce is still there. Those factories are there. The buildings are still there. Yes, they've been abandoned and they've been gutted, but the equipment is easy to put that stuff back in. And there's a reason why Detroit was the great motor city. Just like the Weimar Republic, this is what happens. They destroy your economy and seize your infrastructure. Germany was still Germany after the war. The people were the ones that paid the wage. So if you look at this country, you look at how all of a sudden they started on mainstream media, they start saying, oh, this country has been torturing people. You don't even realize the setup that they're putting you under. And then now they always establish a boogeyman. The U.S. is now waging war against all of these countries. You don't even realize the setup that they're putting you in. They want the rest of the world, and rightfully so, to hate the United States, just like it happened to Germany. They're going to put someone in place. You're going to get another Hitler here because manifest destiny begotted the third right of Nazi Germany. Manifest destiny was, was the, the, the proclamation of this country, and that was able to, to, was, was able to birth the third right of the Nazis. And if you look at the, the ties that this government has through the Bush family and others, NASA, NASA was built off of Nazi scientists in Operation Paperclip. The similarities aren't striking. They're not, you know, just a consequence. You know, you know, just, oh, that's just a, no, it's by design. So what's going to happen? For so long, in order to maintain their control, that the, the powers that be, in order to maintain control, they have to switch it and give power to a new nation and have to have another nation go through something so so hideous like Nazi Germany in order for them to stay in power so that we'll notice the nation and what goes on there and not notice that we're being manipulated by the hidden hand. So this is what's happening. This is we you are looking at the pre stages to a new Nazi regime. And if you look at the homeland security and the other institutions that have been in place they were all designed by Zbig. Look at where in, in Kissinger. Look at where they're from. Look at where they're from. They cut their teeth in Nazi Germany. So we got to get ready to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to further this conversation. I want Marcus to weigh in on what he heard. And now we got need to get into some real solutions. You're listening to Tando Radio Show uh, that's brought to you by Black Talk Radio Network. The number to get in on the conversation is one two one. I'm sorry, seven one two seven seven five seventy thirty five. Access code is sixty six zero zero seventy nine pound. And we'll be right back after this quick break. This is Brother Elliot, host of Time for an Awakening, and you're listening to Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennium. Okay, welcome back, everyone, to Tando Radio Show. I'm your host, David Wren, and the topic of conversation is gentrification with my man, Marcus J. from Ain't No Half Stepping with Marcus J. And 
Uh, we just played a video, and if you heard it and you would like to get in on the conversation, please definitely do. Uh, and the number is 712-775-7035, and the number is six, the uh, code is 660079. And we just uh, heard about the Weimar Republic. You need to know history because these people repeat it, and they'll tell you what they're doing if you know if you learn how to listen to their language. And don't be surprised when when Russia announced that has evidence and starts to display the evidence that the U.S. government was instrumental in what happened in 9/11, and they're doing that for a reason, so that the rest of the world and you will be easily manipulated into a position where they can have you uh, led and maintain your allegiance to them. It's it's sick how they do these things. So, But I want to go to Brother uh, Marcus J. to just to get his thoughts, uh, our guest for the day from Ain't No Half-Stepping with, with Marcus J. Marcus, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. What what was your overall thought um, about the, the video well, I mean, essentially, it was it was it was history repeating itself. If right. you you know if you if you study history, you know that you know everything you know is cyclical. If you look at you know the stuff that they used to make you look at in, in history class in high school, you look at the Romans, you look at the English empires and all that kind of stuff and how they dominated. You know, but their dominance, you know, may have seemed like a long time if you're living through it. But when you look at it historically, you realize it wasn't that long. Ultimately, because it's their greed and the way they went about a lot of things ended up being a big part of their downfall. When you look at the parallel with the Germans um, during, you know, World War II, I believe it was, it, it, the reality is, this, and people don't like to, you know, to hear this, but it's true. It's just up, you know. As much as we hate Hitler historically, Hitler had the support of his people. You know, they, right. they you know they they supported him. Because they were hungry, which is the, right? They, right. Yeah, which is the reason why he got away with a lot of the craziness that he got away with. You know what I'm saying? And so they they hated him around the world, but his people was was was, was right behind him. So when you look at the United States of America, and I had somebody say to me the other day. You know, we're the laughing stock of the world and all this kind of stuff. Like, nah, yo, people scared of us because we that bully on the schoolyard mm-hmm. that'll take your, your milk money. We the gooch. Right, right, <laughs> right, know, Marcus. You know, you... Right, right. Oh, hope you didn't lose Marcus. Marcus, you there? Yeah, I think we lost Marcus. Okay, right, Marcus is exactly right. And it's that's designed because hate has an expiration date. You can only have hate for so long before people start to wake up and say, wait a minute, we're getting duped here. And what is happening, people are starting to wake up. You know, during the the, uh, Third Reich, the Nazis, Hitler was staunchly supported by the Roman Catholic Church. The last pope was in Hitler's youth, Pope Benedict. You don't don't take my word for it. Wikipedia him and look at his early life. It tells you right there. He and Bush, the last Bush, were close. It was one of the few times that that the Pope came to the White House and had carte blanche because they have a relationship that historical and has gone back for many years. Prescott Bush. And this is, is so important to understand these things. And they they do this to manipulate our community. And this is the thing. Our community, where we live now, is key 
because of the trade routes and trade routes, and we cannot lose those trade routes. Hopefully, uh, Marcus J was able to pop back in, and that's some of the important things. So I'm gonna go to a couple of callers and and see what um what they have to say. Hold on one second. Welcome caller to Tando Radio Show. Did you have a comment or a question for uh myself or the guest uh Marcus J? Am I unmuted? Yes, yes, you are. Oh, I wasn't ready. I was just sitting here. I was trying to find something. You guys go ahead. I'll get back. Okay. Dave, okay, you got buddy. me back. You know yeah, I got it, Dave. Yeah, I got okay. you back. Don't don't worry about it. Yes, sir. Okay, bro. When you're ready, just let me know. All right. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, star six yourself. Uh, star six yourself for me, bro. Okay. Let's go to the uh, see if the next caller. Welcome caller to Tando Radio Show. Did you have a comment for myself or Marcus J? And if you did, uh, could you state your name and where you're from? No. Okay. All right, uh, Marcus. So, Marcus J. So. Um, you're so right with with history repeating itself, and the key now is Marcus. Let's talk about because we we don't have that much you know much more time left because things are evolving quickly, uh, and it's it's so important that we really uh, uh, understand what's happening and do something about this while we still can. And some of the things that I think is one of the most important things is that we have to first uh, and foremost is. We've been decentralized because of integration. And I'm not saying that the the people that you know that are not of your race are the cause of this, right? This was a very malicious and malevolent plan and agenda to maintain control and power or maintain control over everyone. But I think the most important thing that we can do is that we need to have an exodus back, seasons of exodus back into our community for these very reasons. Because if we don't, if we maintain our our scattered separation, it will not benefit us one bit at all. Because you now you have no collective prudence. And so, you know, just from what we talked about today and what's your thoughts on, on returning back to uh, our traditional neighborhoods and, and reclaiming our, tra- our traditional land? No, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, ultimately I think it's important for us to not assume that by virtue of our ethnicity and us being black people that we have to live in poverty. So when you hear, you know, reclaim our neighborhoods and all that kind of stuff, people think, you know, because we've been brainwashed to think that we come from the hood. That's not what that means. You know, when we reclaim, we talk about reclaiming prosperity. We talk right. about reclaiming the land and the neighborhoods that we built here in this country, you know, <clears throat> reclaiming those lands for our own. So when gentrification comes about, okay, it's being gentrified, but it's being gentrified by us. We're taking it back from the people that took it from us. You see what I'm saying? And it does yeah. not mean that we go in and we live in poverty. So I think it's absolutely important, and I think that we need to take care of each other. That's a running thing with me, that, you know, we cannot worry so much about outside until we take care of inside. If you look at your own house, you're going to go next door and clean your neighbor's house? No, not if your house is a mess. You're going to cut your neighbor's grass? No, not if your your grass is as high as a, as a toddler. You know, so we got to take care of our own, and we got to build our own. 
And we got to understand that there are a lot of people that are still in a brainwashed state that we got to figure out a way to bring them along with us. There's a certain level of mental consciousness that some of us have, but the unfortunate reality is I think some of us are a minority. So the challenge is people listening to this show right now, people listening to Legacy Internet Radio, getting those people inspired enough so that when they listen, you know, when they hang up the phone from listening or they turn off their smartphones or their tune-in applications or whatever it is, they are having a conversation and they inspiring the next person. That's how you do it. You know, that's 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 a running thing with me. It's very very important because every single person has a part in this. You got a part, you know, and it's key. You can't just keep talking. At the end of the day, you. you you can't you can't just keep talking with them. We gotta do something. Because we've been mm. talking for generations. You know what I mean? We've been talking since April fourth, nineteen sixty eight. We've been talking since then. That was forty five years ago or more. Now we gotta start doing. And I think that with all of the millionaires, I think we got more millionaires, black millionaires than we ever had ever in the history of, you know, America. You know what I'm saying? And even right. those folks who are not, we need to come together as a as a as a community to start doing the things that we're talking about. If, if if we can't do that, then you know I feel real bad about where we're gonna be at ten years from now. That's that's mm. just an unfortunate reality, and not even ten years. You know what I mean? I'm talking about less than that. You know, because right. when I see some of the things that I'm seeing, you know, I'm worried about you know the next presidential election and who's gonna be leading our country then. Yeah, I know it's a conversation that is a little premature, but that's how my mind works. I'm always thinking about that stuff. Right. So that's what I, I mean. Think. No, Marcus, you, I mean, some well said, well said, brother, because it's so many points that you said. It's, it's a, we, we have to. If we don't, listen, we didn't cause this, but you cannot look at things emotionally even though you're an emotional per- person you cannot allow your emotions to dictate your decision making the truth of the matter is i don't know if you noticed the rest of the, the world i don't know if you noticed that they're pushing us the the rest of the world into another world war this is by design and it no matter if if you notice it or not i, I like to always say you can you know as um you know, you can ignore the consequences, but you can never ignore – I'm sorry, you can ignore reality, but you can never ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. And this right. is the thing. They're pushing us to another world war. Just imagine that you see what went on in, in Ferguson and everything else and the contention that we have uh, throughout this world. Just a matter of you continue to be scattered. And then you have an economic downturn, a, a severe economic downturn where the rest of the world loses confidence and sends back the U.S. dollars, which Russia is already doing. China, the BRIC nations are doing. So many other nations are doing. And where are you going to go then when you've, been, you've walked away from your assistance and your sincere family? You know, and not only that, Marcus, I look at you. I look at a lot of other brothers, Scotty. I look at so many other people, and I look at you guys as the modern-day Noahs. And let me tell you something, listeners. When you have these modern-day Noahs that are building arcs, you better stop what you're doing and pick up a hammer. 
because your very livelihood and your prosperity is at stake. Imagine how many people looked at Noah and kept going and laughed. Thought he was crazy. Thought he was crazy. But see, now you can you can look at the ark, right, the necessity of building the ark, because now you have news from all over the world. You can get it and you can disseminate it, and then now you can go back and look in history and cross-reference it, and it can tell you where you are right now. Right. And we don't do that. What we would rather do is to do what we're told. We have walked away from utilizing the the most important asset that God has given us. That's our free will. And remember one the bad thing about the free will. If you choose to do something, your free will is so strong, not even God Almighty can go against it. Not even God Almighty can go against your free will. And we better will ourselves back to prosperity by actions. And I just think that's just just so, so important. Um, if you'd like to get in on the conversation um, with myself and our guest, uh, Marcus J. from Ain't No Half Steppin', Steppin' from Legacy Internet Radio, uh, give us a call at one seven one two seven seven five seventy thirty five, and the code is six six zero zero seven nine pound. And just uh, give us a call there, start six yourself, and then uh, put yourself in the queue, and then hit one, and that will let me know that you would like to speak to uh, Marcus J. or you would like to make a comment um, on today's topic. And I think it's it's just you know you know Marcus, it's not that I'm trying to fear monger. You know, the the most important thing is that I want us to exercise our do right. And our do right is to establish our own society. The most important thing and the best thing that we can do is to turn our backs on what has has brought about so much plight in our society. Turn our back on that and start to go in a different direction. I remember, Marcus, from reading when... The children of Israel were told to attack the Philistines, and Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that didn't see them as the giants that they were. They said, God is with us. We can take them. How many of you continue to look at the situations that we're in and look at, look at them as insurmountable odds and we can't go up against here when the only thing that you have to do is act and God Almighty will go before you? And it's, this is so key, Marcus. If we do not take back our existence, there is no one that's going to give it to us. No, it's not. It's going to be gone. I mean, you know, it's 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 going to be gone if we don't take it back. You know, we we yes. we have to understand who we are, where we come from. You know, and they say that you know a man who does not you know review history is bound to repeat it. You know, and, and you know, I, I think I'm kind of blowing the analogy a little bit, but I no, you know, you're spot on. <laughs> I think I think folks understand, you know, understand what I'm trying to say, and, and it's just and it's just the truth, man. You know, sometimes you get to a point where you you try so hard to tell the tell you know everybody what you feel is going on, and you got people who agree with you and see where you're coming from, and and and, and you scream so loud from the, the highest mountain. But then you got some folks who just won't listen. And you want to say to yourself, you don't see what 
is going on here? You don't see how, you know, this system is set up to make it so that you don't prosper and these small crumbs that you get are just pacifying you to keep you from rebelling from the real problem. And it, it just, you know, some days, some days you had me this day, some days. I watched Selma uh, in the movies a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, I was somewhat validated because I saw that, you know, you know, one of my four mentors, you know, and I got four mentors who are not with us anymore. Martin Luther King is one of them. And uh, I saw that he struggled, you know, he struggled. And seeing that he struggled validated me because then I knew that it's all right someday to struggle. Mm-hmm. When you wonder, am I really, really doing this, you know, am I doing the right thing? Screaming so loud and trying to lead people. It's important. And I ain't going to stop. I won't stop to steal from Puffy, but. Some days you right. have some tough. Some days you have some tough days, and you really, really wish that people saw what you see, you know. So, you know. Yeah. And you, and you know what, Mark is one yeah. of the things that that yeah, I always try to 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 remind myself is that it it may not be my job to make someone else get it because I've already committed. I made the the best choice that I can make is that I want to just do my part for my right. for myself, my family, and my community. Once you make that commitment, there are some people that are not going to want to go along, and that's fine. And we have to be able to say, you know, we're going to continue anyway, and we move on. And those that don't want to, yeah. they have to catch up. Fifty foot chain. Where I go for that? Sorry. All right, thank you. Sorry about that, Mark. Someone was it uh uh and you have to realize that the the people you can't make people do certain things, but like some of the iconic leaders that we have, you and I firmly believe in this. We need a leaderless movement Absolutely. so that it cannot our our overall objective cannot be denied. Absolutely. And those that do not want to go along with it, I understand. You keep moving and they will stay where they are. And so right. it's so important that we have a leaderless movement, uh, uh Marcus. And you know, we talk about that from time to time. So I, I would just love to hear your take on on the, the movement that's that we need to have. And I think that's the most organic one. Well, when you say when you say leaderless movement, I mean I think a lot of times people, uh, particularly in our community and our demographic, get caught up in thinking that we gotta have somebody that's the face of the black community because that's all you know. You know what I mean? You go back, you know, to to Frederick Douglass. <laughs> I mean, right. You know, you go all the way back to that, and then there's a, there's a line from Douglass to Washington to Du Bois to to Lofty, to, to, I mean, you go all the way through up to now when you have, you know, people like Sharpton and Jackson and, and others. You know, there's always been a face of the black community. Then you look at the 60s and the more successful, more prominent ones like Axe and King. But the truth of the matter is all of those people who were the most prominent all sprung up from their grassroots. You know what I mean? These were people who had a voice who saw a problem, who worked to fix a problem. 
and it was the people around them that that, that pushed them into prominence. It wasn't right. them. You know, the the ones that we kind of look at now, kind of we just kind of roll our eyes at now, those are the ones that kind of seek the prominence. But the more, you know, the, the, the more realistic ones, the ones that we really look to as leaders, they ain't people who was looking for no prominence. These were people who saw a problem they was working to fix it, like Dave, you know what I'm saying, like Scotty. <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? Like Marcus so, Day? You know, like 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 people in Legacy and that radio. So 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 it, it's important for us to not think that we have to sit around and wait for somebody to come around and tell us what we need to do. Because you ain't gotta wait for Farrakhan to say, All right, we meeting in D C I need a million y'all to, hung, to to a million of y'all to come hang out with me. You ain't gotta wait for that. If you see something going on in the hood, then come up with a plan to fix what's going on in the hood. If every single person in every single hood did that, you wouldn't have that problem. If you see the kid standing on the corner with his pants off his butt, walk up to him and ask him why he's doing that. Maybe he don't know about the prison culture. Right. Maybe if you drop that knowledge on him, it might affect him. Maybe he don't want to be emulating prison culture. And that's right. just a small example of how you fix a small problem. That's what we need to do. Leaderless movements are essential because if you sit around and you wait for someone to spring out of the grassroots to be the face of a movement, if you wait for that, you're going to be waiting in vain. And that's the problem because we oftentimes, we salute false prophets. These people going to be doing that this Sunday, maybe last hmm. Sunday. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be disrespectful to, to any of the listeners who are people who go to church every Sunday. You know what I mean? I grew up going to church every Sunday. But you ain't going to church so that you can support no preacher. You're right. going in there to, 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 to pray to your God. So this is what I'm saying. It's not about the face. It's all about the movement. And that's what we need to focus on. Mm. I'm going to tell you, uh, uh, Mark, is it so, so much of what you said is so true. We, we don't need the face. We need the faces, and the faces have to be moving. You know, it's if we the the leader system was established as a pyramid in controlling the people. Did you let me just tell say you, pyramids. Hello, pyramid. Hello. Right. And, and and let me tell you what a leader does. A leader always has the follower on leash, just like that's why. The 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 uh the leash is known as the leader, the lead. We need to take off our collars and collectively walk with great prudence together and establish our own agenda collectively. And not only by doing that, once you do that, you can't be stopped because the energy that you create will be force multiplied by by. And that force multiplied energy, you will be able to whatever it is that you sincerely need, and it has to be a a a, a very sincere, uh, uh, benevolent one. There's nothing that can stop you, but every time you have a leader, you're being controlled by the very people that want to maintain control over resources and your free will. That's not about their cash, their cash and their and their their so-called 
uh, uh, affluence. That stuff, right. they print that stuff up, Marcus. Yep. They, they print cash up. They create it digitally so that they can give you all of that. In the Yeah, you want that here. And it's because that stuff doesn't matter. What they really want is your free will. It's just as when, when, when Christ was tempted by Satan, came out of the wilderness after 40 days and was tempted because right. it was the free will that Satan was after. And what did, what did Christ say? Man can't live on bread alone. And that bread that he was talking about signifies the economy and the direction and the governance of your will. If you look at the word government, you know, you know what that means? It means to rule. You, weren't, you were not born to, rule, to be ruled. You were, war, you were born to be fruitful, multiply, and to, to cultivate and to be a part of the overall universal sustainable life system. You were born to be free and independent. And so a leader is not what we need. We need everyone moving in the same direction. And don't give me it can't be done. Only reason why it can't be done is because you've never done it. We've never been sincere to it at all costs. And so, Brother Marcus, we're getting ready to come up on the end of the show. I just want to thank you so much, bro, for coming in. The, 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 just the overall wisdom that you brought to us. And I'm going to tell everyone, let me tell you, when I want to have some great, I have three, three friends. Uh, I, I call them the, the, the fool, the, the wise man, and the smart guy. Marcus is always the wise that I have. And, you know, and I appreciate you so much, Marcus. So if you could tell us before we get out of here, how can we reach you? How can the listeners follow you? Um, could you, you let us know where they can find you? Oh, we lost Marcus. Let me tell you where you can find Marcus. Marcus is uh you can find Marcus at at uh at Marcus J at Ain't No Half Step Steppin at Legacy Internet Radio. You can find him there. Uh they have a great programming that's there. So if you have time, definitely it'd be worth your while to, to chime in and talk to Marcus uh, and to listen to the, the overall network in the show. I just want to thank you all for listening today. Uh great show. Thank you for all the callers that called in. And, you know, I would just ask that you continue to help us to grow. And if there's some things you would like to talk about, please do uh, let us know. Uh, like our Tando radio show. Uh, listen, to, to listen to, continue to listen to Black Talk Radio Network. It's a great show. And we are out for the day, God willing. We will be back tomorrow. Remember, never ask for a blessing. Before you ask for a blessing, make sure that you are a blessing. Until the next time, much love. Let's go.